You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Welcome to the Pixels and Ink Podcast, episode 281, brought to you by CG Magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Mior, and joining us today are the illustrious Brendan Fry. Hello, hello, hello. The fabulous Phil Brown. Hey. And the just plain awesome Jordan Viorti. How come my name comes after Phil? Alphabetically, it would come first. I pay play favorites. Start again. Put my name first. No, boss first because he pays the chat. He pays the uh, the bills. Yeah, but Brendan makes sense. Alphabetic. Phil is in senior. <clears throat> Phil is the senior, and then we have Jordan. But I feel like I'm a senior at this point. I mean, he is well, a senior age wise. We're all seniors. Very <laughs> funny, Jordan. Very funny. Uh, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Guys, let's have it. Let's have a friendly discussion today. <laughs> it's early in the morning. And I'm still on fire. Uh, Darn it. So let's get let's jump right into it today. Um, Let's get started with some of the rundowns. And this is going to be a popular trend, it seems, throughout the year. Mm -hmm. But uh, this was a big week for titles to come out. We saw Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Fighters. 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 Sorry, Dragon Ball Fighters. I'm still stuck on Z, just like everyone else who's picked up this game. Now, apparently they've said it's now Dragon Ball Fighters. It's Dragon Ball Fighters. Yeah. That's right. extreme. Uh, Sounds like Doritos. Right? Yeah. I wonder if that'll come. I wonder if they'll uh, have a dur- special they, they Dragon really Ball Fighter Doritos. That. Yeah. I, I really think they need to team up on this mm-hmm. one. Why have they not done it yet? It's mm-hmm. on Xbox. I assume everything on Xbox has a Doritos. Really it's got to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you guys tried that one out yet? Super Saiyan Sour Ranch. <laughs> yes, the Doritos. Yes, Dragon Ball Fighters Doritos. Have you tried it out yet? No, I meant the game. I meant the game. I haven't. No, I keep meaning to. There's a demo, correct? Yeah, there was a beta that was out just before it released. I think the weekend before. Now it's fully out. Um, Yeah. If you haven't had a chance to pick it up, I highly recommend it. It is as close to the original Dragon Ball Z story and world animation wise, Mm -hmm. like all the cutscenes, as as a game could have been in like forever. Yeah. Uh, The fighting mechanics are great. It's just it also looks stunning. Yeah. See, that's the thing is I don't really have any attachment with Dragon Ball Z. I do have an attachment with like hyper animated fighting games, though. So I'm into it for that level. But the the Dragon Ball Z stuff will be entirely lost on me. Did you ever play Guilty Gear or Blaze Blue? That's a no on both counts. That's where you you go to this game because you like Arc System Works, which do the Guilty Gear series and the Blaze Blue series. So. If you really love that kind of fluid animation, all looking kind of hand-drawn in nature, kind of have I that do. very quick action, then this might be a game you might I want do. to look Yeah, I think for the aesthetics alone and the and the seizure-inducing fun, I may be into it. Yeah. And if you like Dragon Ball, it's even better because it has all your favorite Dragon Ball characters like Goku and Boo. <laughs> and the ball. And, and Goku. And Krillin. I think. Krillin, I think. Krillin, I think. Krillin is in there. Krillin's, like, super underrated as a character. He is fantastic. I like that he's actually getting a lot more, like, love in the the Dragon Ball Super franchise. Is he really? Oh, yeah. They spend a lot of time making Krillin awesome. Like, every time, uh, like, Android 18 is, like, on screen, she always makes a point to talk about how great Krillin is. And they did a whole arc, too, where, like, Krillin, like, he went out with Goku to this, like, um, this, like, cursed forest, and he, like fought his basically his fear of getting killed again by like frieza and was he killed by frieza yeah i remember uh, it was uh, it was what uh, it's uh, what turned goku super saiyan you know something sure and sure. Uh, but that, that was the whole thing is that they they, it, they did this whole thing where like he unlocked his like hidden potential and it's basically now that like krillin is the strongest of all the human characters so stronger than goku He's not stronger than Goku because no one will ever be stronger than Goku, but he, he can kind of keep up with Goku in a fight. But, like, out of all the humans, he's still he's considered to be the strongest. All right. All right. Well, I don't know much about the story mode in this because I haven't had a chance to actually play that part. It involves Android tw- 21. 21, yes. That's the, the big push around this story. But I know that uh, I've, I've spoken to the producer on the game, and uh, she had expressed how deeply into the lore of dragon ball z 
and the Dragon Ball universe, they went just to create the game to make it as true for fans as they possibly could. And it absolutely shows on this game. So I'm, I'm super excited about it. Uh, next up, we had The Inpatient, the prequel to uh, Until Dawn. And uh, it's, uh, you know, fo- they focused on the VR aspect of the whole thing. Uh, our reviewer, Melanie Emile, did not care for it. It does not have the yeah. scares that everyone was hoping for. Yeah, she's, she is a huge, huge fan of the series. And it, it was uh, she was kind of excited at first for the first little bit. She said it was super true and scary and had its things but as it went on it started to get a little repetitive not as horror centric as the previous games so this is a psvr game right yeah Yeah. i mean there's so many see this is the thing with vr and horror it's such a perfect marriage there's so many opportunities to create a really engrossing horror experience like little tiny things you could look for as you're going through and give you that replayability but apparently it was kind of missed the mark on this one. So that's really too bad. I mean, like I was really excited for it because I loved what they did with Until Dawn. Mm-hmm. But I guess you can only milk that thing so many times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Until Dawn works so like as well as it did, mainly because it was kind of um, like ridiculous. Yeah, like it was aping a lot of like like really good eighties mm-hmm. horror movies, like uh, like genre tropes and. I think that's what made it work because it did kind of have this like silliness on top of the fact that it like it was genuinely scary at some moments. Um, but if you kind of I think if you dive a little too deep in that and then try to like especially if you try to like make the main focus the VR thing, you're going to lose something in the pro- in the process. Oh, I agree. It, mm-hmm. it, it definitely is. You can't push it too far. You have to make sure you kind of stick with what, what works. And I don't know if they did with the impatient compared to Until Dawn because Until Dawn really worked for some weird reason. In all honesty, it shouldn't have. It was really bad in a way. Well, part of it is also because the original Until Dawn was written and directed by Larry Fessenden, who's actually a great horror filmmaker. Um, Wendigo and uh, The Last Winter and a bunch of really interesting films. And that's how they got all those recognizable actors. So that's a big thing, too. Like It's it's one thing when it's a game developer trying to ape horror movie tropes. It's another thing when it's a game developer working in conjunction with a genuinely gifted filmmaker uh, that knows how those tropes work. And that's sort of a really underrated element that uh, I don't think he get. I don't think he's gotten nearly enough credit for in that game, either from Mm -hmm. the game, either from people that follow video games or people that follow movies of felt in a weird gray zone where only a small amount of people from both worlds knew who he was and that's kind of a shame because he really made that game what it is it makes yeah. sense yeah so uh, uh it's unfortunate but i mean i'm sure like fans of the series will find something in the telling of the whole thing because yeah, yeah. i do believe it it does tackle um like the base uh uh, story building mm-hmm. that leads up to it, and it also and fills in some of the gaps. It, it fills in, needed. yeah, it fills in a lot of those gaps. So it's more of a supplementary thing than yeah. full on experience. But you know, it, how much is it? Sixty dollars? Uh, I think something like that. Uh, I can I can look that up yeah. and check that out afterwards. But moving on, uh, from Matt makes games, we had uh, the highly anticipated Celeste, which is an adorable little pixel art game, uh, featuring a another strong female lead uh, as very true to uh matt makes games uh style and uh this is this is the uh, team that did um towerfall and towerfall ascension and towerfall dark world uh, uh, uh chaos heart that came out recently and uh it it I've been like it, it's our reviewer loved it it was really great has that lovely nostalgia charm it's got a lovely platforming experience to it uh, i know there was a big fight in our slack channel to be able to review it mm-hmm. so um it looks, cool. it looks awesome. It looks amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really pretty. I really like that, like, uh, those, like, really tough as nails, like, really tightly controlled, fast-paced, uh, like, platformers. And it, it's, mm-hmm. like, you get a – it seems like you're not – you don't really get a lot of those outside of the indie uh, scene. So, like, it's really it's really cool to see that, like, like some, that some of these are, that are as good as they are, um, given how, like, simplistic they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm dying so, to try. Yeah. I really, I didn't really have a, an eye on it until like recently. I saw like a bunch of reviews and stuff come out of it, and 
and uh what was it uh video game dunkley did a review on it and i'm, I'm starting i don't know i don't know what that is oh sure. he's great he's a great youtuber i i wasn't into him at first he seemed really stupid but then like the more and more i got into him <laughs> he, uh yeah no he, he seemed really he, stupid he did that like sounds like, like my relationship with you jordan well, that's oh. yeah. You know what I mean? It's that, that's my endearing quality. Is you think I'm really stupid at first, and the more the more you spend some time with me, you're like, this guy might be on the ball. But you gotta, yeah, I gotta yeah. keep guessing. For sure, crazy like a fox, as they say. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so yeah, uh, he did he did a video on it, and I was watching. Uh, you know, so I finally got some eyes on it, and I was like, very surprised that I uh, I hadn't seen it up until this point, like. I don't know. I've been, I've yeah. been for, for some reason, there's all this stuff that's well, coming out that I didn't have eyes on. They were really on. pushing it at the January mini direct. Um, that's really where, when Nintendo started to actually make a, Hey, this is, you got to keep your eye on this game. Um, I think this is a good, I think this would be a really good switch game. I could see that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, I think it's available for all platforms, but uh, <laughs> like this, this seems like the kind of like a console, maybe not seller, but, it would be one of the like you get your seller and then get this one kind of. I thing. I can see so, that. Yeah. Well, I think that's the, and- that's the whole thing about the Switch too, right? Is that like as as uh like this is the kind of game that would be perfect on a portable console as well mm-hmm. as like yeah, a, yeah. a good like proper like sit down experience. So I think like that's what makes it probably a stronger contender on something like the switch is that like you have that portability aspect and Nintendo is really like the switch is really making its bread and butter. I think with the, uh, like a really strong indie push, like you get a good mm-hmm. Nintendo, like first party title, like maybe like once a month, but then it's just constant, like quality indie content. That's, that's keeping, um, keeping the library padded out. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and it's, you know, good on good on this console. I mean, I, I it's popular for a reason, right? So. All right. Finally, Monster Hunter World is I think it's out today. Yes. So, yeah, that's very exciting. I spent the weekend and, playing the beta and oh, my God. Right. I'm so excited for this thing. Did you? Did you do the uh, Elder Dragon? I didn't quest? do the Elder Dragon because I was scared I wouldn't be able to do it by myself. <laughs> I, you know, Cole Watson actually beat it for well, us. Well, because that's the, that's something I thought was kind of, and I don't know if it was just for the sake of the beta. I found that um, at least in Monster Hunter Ultimate, uh, fighting like monsters on your own was very challenging, and like if like yeah. you had to be like really on the ball, and even then it was still a challenge. Like I think a lot of, uh, and that leaned into the fact that monster hunter was, I think better experienced as a multiplayer game and playing world. I got through the first three monsters pretty Hmm. easily. And I wasn't sure if I, how to feel about that. Like, is it good that you can kind of hunt monsters on your own? And it's a little bit more like, uh, approachable for newer players. Okay. So here's the thing. I know, uh, they do scale it, depending on how many people are attacking the monster that makes sense so but it's a it's not a gradual scale so if it's two people they'll scale it like it's three people oh so you better just yeah have three so it's two. it's better to have like a full party as a or or do a solo yeah but, even- but it, if you were looking for that extra challenge go with two people it's great i mean i i've played uh i with uh it was me and another person uh going after monsters during the second beta and um I liked that challenge, so that that's for me is kind of an incentive to have a small party mm-hmm. going after things, which I love that there is that ability. There there is that ability to have that, and then, uh, like, yeah, the ability to grab a bigger group and like really smash through it mm-hmm. is good too. You know, I, I don't know. I just I found that like, uh, and again, cause I didn't play Generations, um, so I don't know how that one fared, but at least in Ultimate, like fighting a monster on your own like it felt like it was as difficult as if you had been fighting them with like with like two or three people like it was well I, based on what i saw from cole's footage of the the uh elder of the elder dragon it didn't exactly look easy <laughs> i know that there was there was quite a bit of running back and forth after this thing so well, I'm excited, yeah it's kind of because uh yeah it's i think think there's the challenge there for you and i can't wait to see the story mode that that's oh, what yeah. i'm hoping to dip into i mean i was worried initially that it like like when i when i first saw it that it had too realistic a look 
And I was like, yeah. part of what I really liked about Monster Hunter was that it kind of had this like cartoonish air about it that made it like a, a mm-hmm. it did make it a little bit silly. Um, so I was worried that they might lose some of that. And they were, they were kind of going for this like gritty, like real looking Monster Hunter game and playing it is like no they really stayed true to what monster hunter is and it looks just absolutely gorgeous yeah it really does it's so i didn't know how i felt about the um the like the monster tracking thing though um okay so i i really don't have a serious opinion on this because this is my first foray into the monster hunter world <laughs> of games uh and I, I it was okay i mean it seems like the same kind of tracker i've seen in many other games so it at least for someone who's new to the franchise it felt familiar and i knew immediately what to do with it without having to be told what to yeah, do I, so i thought that was kind and of i'm neat. not saying but, bad uh, um like i just i think that like part of the fun uh like of of the game was kind of just like wandering around this world until you just ran into this monster and it was like oh my god like fight starting mm-hmm. um but I, th- I was talking to someone else and we were kind of saying like I th- it makes a lot of sense because like at the end of the day, you are a monster hunter. So you should have like the ability to track um, monsters. Yeah. But like it just I don't know. It felt a little handholdy that you kind of just like walk around for 10 seconds, like, you know, scan the ground and then this thing just leads you to the monster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so I think um, I think in the end I land somewhere in the yeah. middle of it. But, you know, I mean, it, you know what? It's it's in a good in, in a good way. Uh I, I think it's kind of a good a good thing because if you're like me, you're new to the series, you're not very proficient in the act of actually attacking the monsters yet. Um, when you die and your party's out there fighting, at least you have a quick way to get back, you know? So it's like, it's a, it's a good way for, I think it's just a way to introduce more people into the franchise. And I'm, I'm okay with what, that. Uh, what, what was your weapon of choice? Uh, do I have to remember the name? No, just because like that's the, not a thing. To be able to do. It was that very giant sword. Oh, just like the, what the the like the actual like great oh, sword or the, the long katana. It was no the actual great oh, okay. sword, but there was also I forgot about the other the dual swords, oh, the dual, swords the dual thing. Those were so fun. I didn't get a chance to try out the uh, great axe because uh, I know that one has some really cool um, like finishing special attacks, which is kind of I, I can't wait to sort of dig into all the weapons that you can use in the world i like that they actually made like the ranged weapons too because i always wanted to use a bow when i was playing monster hunter but Mm -hmm. like the way it was mapped out on the on the ds was really stupid because you had to like you had to like aim with the with by like with the right or no you like you move you still moved around with the left stick but because the game didn't have like a uh a right stick it was hard to aim and even with the like the the um, the circle pad pro you had this extra stick but they didn't map the fire button to the triggers so you still yeah. had to press a so you had to like aim and then take your thumb off the stick to press a to shoot your bow and you couldn't like mm-hmm. move your, your aiming while trying to draw your bow so it was really stupid <laughs> but at least this one they actually mapped it yeah. so it's like okay you have like you know you can aim with the right stick and use the trigger to fire so you have like an extra finger to be oh yeah i mean I, I, I'm happy that all that was <laughs> fixed up before I joined it because that would have turned. Oh yeah, out no, it was good. ridiculous. That's why I moved over to the um, to the charge blade. That's the one with that's like the the sword and the and the shield. But then this it turns into a yeah. big axe, and that thing is monstrous. Yeah. Oh, so oh, I'm gonna have fun. to check that one out. I can't wait to check it out. <laughs> well, we can check it out as of today. So, uh, going home and buying a lot of games anyway moving on really quickly um we just want to touch on to some other nintendo some nintendo news where uh it was just announced that nintendo is going to be shutting down mitomo as of which May is 9th. i don't know it's it's sad to me well you know what they haven't done anything to like a really big announcement and a really big update to it since 2016 i was gonna say of- this may have been sad news in like what 2014 yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, like i agree at this i agree at this point that uh they should have definitely personally contacted you jordan as the Thank you. That's all person on the service. Well, obviously that, that would have been reasonable the that one been guy was playing that game. Well, I was not even I wasn't really playing, and that's that. Well, because that's that's the thing that bums me out about it is that like I I I always thought conceptually it was an interesting 
like little app. Like I liked the idea of a Nintendo based social mm-hmm. media app where you kind of like used your me's and like you could like you know uh communicate with friends and then i even liked too how they when they um when they did that with this uh the the friends thing with the switch where you can like add friends from games you've played and Tomo was like where i got like a whole bunch of friends that i was already connected with through like twitter and stuff um on my switch library like and it's like okay that makes sense it's like you're you're kind of like integrating this this social platform to your like extended sort of gaming uh capacity Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting that you bring that up so with the advent of uh the switch there wasn't exactly a rise in playership on Mitomo. No, there no, no right? but the, Cause there was no there there was no I now I don't know this personally I haven't seen or read, read anything but there was no Mitomo port no. or anything for no, Switch. No, I mean like it would have been so, neat if you could import yeah. Mitomo somewhere into the Switch, but it seems like Nintendo is really keeping its mobile titles very separate from its console yeah. games. I feel like a lot of the mobile titles that uh, were released by Nintendo were sort of a foray into getting people comfortable with mobile mobile play again yeah. and, and introducing but the I Switch. But I kind of feel like that was all part of like when you uh, what you were saying about the Switch thing is like like it it wouldn't necessarily have been necessary to like integrate it to the Switch because it was all part of um Nintendo's sort of like dual platform strategy. Like they wanted to have the Switch and this like mobile functionality. Oh, you know. sure. But but by doing that, it means that as soon as people are playing the Switch, they're no longer playing on the well, smartphone. Well, let's like if you want if you, you to make it so people want to feel that things you do on your smartphone connect to your Switch, so you, you feel there's an, a use for but, it. Like if you uh, updated your Mitomo and your Mitomo would then show your little me on your Switch would then show all your updates on the Mitomo, that would make it much more useful for people. If it's just a little thing you kind of jump into every once in a while and do a pachinko machine for yeah. a bit, <laughs> it's not. It's really nothing of value was, for people beyond I, quickly I, making your character. Look no, and I think I think they definitely like, it definitely had. Um, issues with like like in the way that you yeah. like posted stuff like like i liked the fact um that it was kind of like question based less than just like like trying to recreate facebook but at the same time it, it could have had something like that like you could have just made these little individual posts um but yeah i don't know i think bec- like i think like in the way that nintendo even like they did the 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 whole like online functionality app on your phone like i i think they wanted to have like a sort of seamless connection between having your switch and having a phone um and it's just a shame that it didn't take off in the way that it that it, it could have i'm gonna throw it out there i think the game just wasn't very fun yeah it, it, it was it was a neat social no, but experiment how fun is facebook <laughs> like exactly. it's not but it's not a it's, game yeah but it's not really a game. Mitomo is basically a game. If they, I think if there there was more to it, yeah, then it probably would have flourished. But there wasn't, and and it dies its death on May 9th. So oh, there we go. I'm okay with that. I, I think it was a neat little thing, and I'm glad it's gone. Moving on to new adventures, we have Yuji Naka joining Square Enix uh, as a what was his position? Um, Do you remember? No. One sec. He was he was a, he originally worked on the uh, yeah, Sonic, Sonic games. games. He, he was the so- co-creator he was of Sonic the actually. Godfather of Sonic. Yeah, so-, so does that mean Sonic is dead? No. Does that mean so that Sega's Sonic's like- probably going to show up in uh Dissidia now? That's, yeah. that's, that's how it works. <laughs> you know that. Random- no, 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 no. We're going to have a random Final Fantasy 15 and 14 event where Sonic gear and you can wear a Sonic hat. Or something. The, it, just Special because, Sonic gear. Just because the guy created Sonic doesn't mean that Square suddenly gets all no, rights to Sonic. That's not, how it gonna get like, That's not how it works. We're going to get like original the character, do not steal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I wonder if that what that might mean for, like, depending on what projects he's working on, if there's going to be something in, like, uh, diverging a little bit from some of the gameplay of this games that have been coming from square enix lately i don't know it could mean we might just see a different style of game because yeah, he just yeah. or it could just mean, or it could just mean he bring he just being another guy working on another final fantasy yeah because i'm like I'm, I'm i'm just remembering one of the the um direct the director on i think it was dark souls 2 or dark souls 3 i, yeah. I need to check this is now working on uh the mobile title brave exvius which is doing very well. Sorry, we haven't seen that but, become a Dark Souls like. But it's there's no Dark Souls like. Yeah, no, no. He there, just so. he just joined on. I think just as a as a developer. Um, so I, yeah. you know, 
I'm sure it really realistically it doesn't mean anything. It's just like you 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 have this guy now who had like this incredible vision um because like you know it's not really it's really not just sonic too like um you know uh he he helped he helped uh he helped uh develop uh fantasy star i think he co-created knights which is like i think is a criminally underrated game it's, it's an okay game. It's, it's only an okay Go back oh, and I've play played, it now, the, the, You gotta get the one on the Wii. The Wii is when they cleaned it up and made it a lot better. But I meant the original version oh, was not the great. Original, a lot of games aren't version. great. Conceptually, it was really good. Yes! <laughs> Going into trees uh, and stuff. Well, it's just, it's a good thing to see, like, big developers. Yeah, it's a guy with a lot of talent. What happens in the industry, so to a, to, it's um, a thing. To a big studio that that is basically known for making these big, like, grandiose high fantasy yeah. adventure games so sure. and and a lot of mobile titles these days i'm gonna say sure yeah but anyway moving on uh let's talk about movie news phil Yay! what do you got for us i love your first one i was so happy when i heard this one but you go on go on okay go ahead. okay i will <laughs> yes this is a bizarre one which okay. is that um i mean it's not official yet but apparently uh, Michael Bay's production company is developing a Duke Nukem movie, which like makes yes. so much sense. Yes. Like, yes. If, if ever there was a video game property, Michael Bay was uh, born to adapt. It is Duke Nukem. And uh, they're currently talking to John Cena to play Duke Nukem, which, you know, if this has to happen, I'm OK with it happening in this in, in this, uh, with yeah. this collection of people for sure. I, I think uh uh, it's it's made me excited to actually see a movie, a Duke Nukem movie. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm I'm of two minds as to whether or not I even want this to happen. Like I feel like there's a a, a fun like tongue in cheek way of doing this. Whether or not uh, Michael Bay's production company is the, Probably not. the people that will see that, it's hard to say. I, I mean, like if it's anything like his normal movies, it will be hilarious, just not in the ways anyone att- intended. And that could work too. John Sand is mm-hmm. not a bad choice. He should, it's weird. Cause it's John Sand has slowly been uh, developing a career as an actor, but uh, not really in action movies. He made a couple like directed DVD WWE action movies, but he's mostly been uh, finding success in comedy. So he definitely should have, a movie like that, uh, uh, an action franchise like this. And it ha- if it has to be Duke Nukem, that could be worse. Um, so anyway, that's something for it to keep our eyes on. Moving on, mm. in additional uh, movies that no one asked for but are happening anyway, uh, Ryan Reynolds and the screenwriters of Deadpool <laughs> are currently working on a new version of Clue. Nice. Okay, that, I think this will be that. funny. I, I think it's funny. <laughs> if it doesn't have Tim Curry, I don't want it. Wasn't Christopher Lloyd in the original Clues? Oh, yeah. The original has an incredible guy. There's Madeline Kahn and, uh, 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 yeah, Christopher Lloyd, like you said, Martin Mull. Um, it, it was, it's, it's a genuinely hilarious and very well done movie. It's um, a fantastic movie. Whether or not they I really can... Like, I... I don't think they can really. It's ma- better than it should have been. That's for sure. Well, I love the fact that when that movie came, originally came out, depending on what theater you got, you got a different ending. Different ending for sure. Yeah, and then from that, and then from then on, you just got three confusing endings, one on top of each other on VHS. Or <laughs> but um, yeah, like I, I have a lot of nostalgia for the original Clue. I think it's very fun. Um, I, I'm of two minds. On the one hand, like. I mean, like it's such a basic concept that, like, sure, I suppose you could do again. The problem is that, like, by virtue of the fact that Ryan Reynolds is in it already, it, it's not going to be the same approach as last time, which was hiring, like, really amusing comedic character actors and let them be campy. It's going to be Ryan Reynolds being snarky, presumably Blake Lively as Mrs. White or what have you. And then, like, um, uh, who else will they get in there? Uh, like, Zac Efron will be Professor Plum. Yeah. And, you know, it's going it's to – Seth Rogen, I'm sure, will be one of them. Oh, he's going to be Colonel Mustard. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, it, well, that's entirely cast-dependent because, like, they're not going to write an amazing sto- – or meaningful story out of Clue. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah. we'll see what happens with it. But, yeah, more than anything else, it just felt confusing. It just seems like how – desperate anyone is to launch uh to, to latch on to a popular property um and i also can't help but feel like the success of uh of murder on the orient express is to blame for this as well which oh, i yeah. tried to warn everyone about but no one listened to me <laughs> as per usual we didn't listen well 
Okay, so Jordan needs to approve all Nintendo things, and mm. Phil, this is your. They need to seek you out next time. That'd be good. And ensemble I, comedies. Yes, for all ensemble Based comedies. On, uh, yeah, like, and nostalgic like, board games. Yeah, for sure. And I'd also like to have a voice in the room and the Nintendo stuff too, if that's okay. All uh, right, next up. Sure. Well, that's up to Nintendo. I don't control. We'll put that, your voice in, in the in the very back corner, like the corner of the closet. This is a meeting we'll, we'll have. Yeah, this is a meeting we'll have with Nintendo <laughs> at a later date. All right, yeah, we'll next up. Um, exactly, yeah, it's down the road. It's not today's <laughs> problem. Uh, next up, this one I'm actually kind of excited about. Uh, Universal, who are doing the Fast and the Furious live tour next year, which again, mm-hmm. try to keep me away. <laughs> yes. Try to keep me away. But they're, despite the fact that that hasn't even come out yet, uh, they're planning their next live tour, which could be really fun because it's going to be a Jurassic World live stadium tour um, <laughs> involving puppets, animatronics, and projection mapping to make it seem like you're within the jungle and the live tour, and there'll be stunts and like some sort of 3D uh, projection. Okay, seriously, though. Level with me. Is it just going to be a lot of those inflatable T-Rex that costumes just running around? I mean, there's going to be some that's of that. awesome. There's going to be some of that, but the um, uh, I don't know if you guys have went to Walking with Dinosaurs or saw any of the footage of it. But, uh, I saw I saw some of it. Those those puppets were really impressive. For I sure, have to say. for sure. And one would assume that like since you know the technology is advanced, like you know close to a decade since then, and Universal mm-hmm. would be willing to pump in as much money into this as they possibly can. Um, I think this could actually be a ton of fun. Um, yeah. yeah, like like part of me wants to pretend that I'm above paying an exorbitant sum of money to go sit in the Sky Dome and watch a bunch of guys in Velociraptor costumes <laughs> dance around <laughs> between 3D projections. But I am not above that. I will do that. And no. that sounds it's amazing. Like, so, Guys, it's it's a, it's a, a CGM uh, road trip. That's what it like, is. If it's like the Lion King <laughs> Broadway version of Jurassic Park, I would 100% be in on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, they actually... <laughs> um, the people that did walking with dinosaurs, uh, they're based in Australia. And I guess for a few years now, they've had a King Kong musical involving a live full size on stage King Kong puppet. And that's opening on Broadway next year. And I may go to you guys. I'm not going to lie. It's, that sounds great. Yeah, there's like 30 puppeteers involved in the full size King Kong puppet. It looks great. That's incredible. It looks great. So oh, it's great. Guys, and the I'm fact sure that it's coming to Broadway as well anymore. is so perfect because um, that's actually, you know, in the plot of King Kong. So I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> I just can't stop picturing these puppets dancing around on stage. Oh, yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be good. This is all going to be good. Yeah. It's all super all right. dumb. Uh, Next it's gonna be up, so good. All right, moving on. Weird sequel things going on. Uh, it notices from screenwriters who, um, while extraordinarily important to the process, unfortunately, do not have much power in Hollywood. So whether or not these happen or not, we'll see. The first up is the first Ed on this block is screenwriter Ed Newmeyer is saying that he's working on a new RoboCop script, and they can't talk about it right now. That, but apparently, that... the plan is it will be a sequel to the original RoboCop, not connected with the remake to RoboCop. What? Oh, yeah. okay. Sure. Um, whether or not that happens, I don't know. Why whether not? they get Paul Verhoeven, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, like, yeah, if they get Peter Weller back as RoboCop and Paul Verhoeven, and, like, they can actually make an R-rated blockbuster RoboCop now, which they couldn't in the five years since the remake came out. I don't know. It's so weird that it's changed so much. I know, recently. right? That Was Deadpool yeah, helpful? And also, the first one out the gate that made it happen was Fifty Shades of Grey, which... Everyone oh right, you forgot about that. Those those epic yeah. that created a market epic for uh, R-rated uh, block, uh, R-rated uh, blockbusters in the winter. So yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey, Kingsman, Deadpool, Logan—they've opened a lot of doors. And unfortunately, the, one of the, apparently RoboCop Four <laughs> is, is one door. of the doors that's opening. But... <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, oh, or fortunately. I can't decide yet. No, Brent, Brent if is... they hire if they hire Paul Verhoeven, then I'm in. But until then. I remain skeptical. Has he made anything good in the last oh, 10 sure. years? He made a movie called um, L that came out uh, last year. That was, uh, it was, uh, oh, I saw that. that it was good. really good and very trashy and uh, out there. So he's certainly, well, that's what his yeah, style he is. is not, though, right? He is not uh, matured or, or dulled with age. That's for sure. And uh, the second sequel by another screenwriter named Ed is Ed Sullivan, who uh, wrote men in black and wrote, uh, uh, the Now You See Me movies, but will always have a special place in my heart because he wrote the Bill and Ted movies. And he's apparently, oh, those, that yeah, was yeah, and he's apparently good. continuing to work on 
a third Bill and Ted movie, which is called Bill and Ted Stop the Music, and it's about Bill and Ted realizing as middle-aged men they didn't save the world like they were supposed to, and they don't understand what's going on. We've been talking about this movie on the podcast. For years, for years, and they're still working on it. Ed Solomon just uh, finished a – they're just about to launch a HBO series that he did with Steven Sodenberg. And so someone asked him about it, and apparently Steven Sodenberg is now producing the Bill and Ted movie. And they've got a director, and the director is Dean (laughs) Parasot, who made uh, Galaxy Quest. It seems like like an ideal choice to make a Bill and Ted movie. Um, So – yeah, I'm I'm really hoping it happens. It seems like it is inching along and and more importantly like everyone involved including like Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter and the writers and uh the Dean Parasot mm-hmm. and now Steven Soderbergh are actually genuinely passionate about making a Bill and Ted 3. So, I think it I think they will will this <laughs> into existence one day and Reeves is bankable oh, yeah. again because of John Wick. So, yeah, god willing this happens. Was he ever not bankable? There was a period between The Matrix and uh, and John Wick where things got a little rough for him. Wait, he did a lot of romantic comedies, to, or rom- rom- like not romantic comedies, but just romantic dramas and things like that. What was the a, a, the something? Yeah, September yeah, the one, yeah, the one Walker. where people yeah, were sending letters things. to each other through time or what happened. I thought that was a lake. Yeah, yeah the lake oh, house. Yeah. Yeah. house. Yeah, yeah, the lake house. Also yeah, he did hardball. That's no, right, hardball. That was that rough. Too. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, a, maybe I, I oh, like that movie when I was, when I was what, like sixteen. Yeah, well, don't watch it again. There was a, there was, yeah, there's definitely a inner city kids yeah. realize their hidden potential. Yeah, see, it sounds horrible when you put it that way. <laughs> Number one, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm really rooting for Bill and Ted, um, and everyone else should yeah. be too. I think we all are. I I can't. I want yeah, one so badly, sure. but it, it's one of those things we're for probably sure. not going to sure. see. Oh, no, we might. Not in my <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> when Keanu Reeves goes through his third transformation, yeah. you might see it. Yeah. When they remove his brain, put him in. When another he put body, him in another body, his body going. doesn't age. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. I forgot. That's how. Uh, his version of Infinity Works. Okay, go on. Move on. Final news story, (laughs) um, and then I'll cut these off, is uh, uh, Charlie Kaufman, who uh, wrote Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Being John Malkovich, uh, has signed a deal. He's going to write and direct a horror movie for Netflix, which I'm super excited about. Yeah, it's apparently based on a book that I haven't read called, uh, oh, where is it here? I'm Thinking I'm Ending Things, that's about um, a... uh, protagonist and her boyfriend uh protagonist a, a woman in her with who's unnamed in the book and her boyfriend are uh, taking a trip to visit his parents for the first time and then things turn sour and reality becomes questionable so uh i'm i have loved Kaufman for a long time i've always kind of hoped he'd do a horror movie he said he was going to do one at one point and then it ended up being synecdoche new york which like so this is his first foray yeah, officially for sure synecdoche so no, he had some it. like mm-hmm. creepy stuff in it, but it turned into something very, very different. And uh, yeah, it, that was a thing. It's fascinating. That was a but thing. It, yeah, clearly got wildly out of control. But um, yeah, I'm very intrigued by this. I like that he's working with Netflix because obviously, you know, there will be no like forced control upon him in that scenario. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it just seems intriguing all around. He seems like the guy to do it. I mean, like he did, like, yeah, like he technically hasn't a genre, but like uh, Eternal Sunshine is sci-fi. So he's touched on genre a little bit. So, uh, and like considering mm-hmm. that was like his version of a sci-fi story, I can't wait to see what his version of a horror thriller will be. That should be a mind bender. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Sounds exciting. Do we want to mention the fact that uh, Netflix this week did announce how much the Kevin Spacey uh, um, problems? No, have I don't think I saw that story. Because okay, apparently it cost Netflix thirty nine million dollars based on pr- projects they couldn't move forward on, failed deals, etc. Because they had a lot yeah, of deals with, in place for company. House of Cards. They had yeah. a lot of deals. To in be place honest with you, thirty nine like that. So obviously, thirty nine million dollars is nothing to sniff at. But to be honest with you, that actually seems light to me. Um. Yeah. Could, yeah. Maybe they could because they found to mitigate the costs a bit by making. Yeah, other the fact that they're going to make another season project. of Health of Cards, I'm sure, is a big part of it. But I mean, like, I, I assume they'd be hurt yeah. more than that because I mean, realistically, like, obviously Netflix was a juggernaut um, just as a streaming as a groundbreaking tre- streaming service. But House of Cards really is what made them a content factory. So. Yeah. 
it surprises like, like as as big a loss as thirty nine million dollars is. I thought it would be poor. I mean, weren't they in the black almost a billion last year just on their own? They're yeah, still, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. still in the black. It's just, yeah, so you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. just a little less, mm-hmm. a little less in the red, a little less. Yeah. Um, should we also make a quick mention that uh, the nominees for the 90th yeah, for Academy sure, Awards sure. were announced? We this week? I wasn't sure how much you guys wanted yeah. to talk about that, but I. I... Yeah. We, oh, well, it's important see, to mention. I think, I think I'd like to do. Hear we want to go break and then talk? Why don't, about why, it? Well, why don't we have a brief virtual do break do and then right. we'll continue talking in real time? Yes. Man, I wish I could get new comics every month, but I'm broke and oddly always $5 short. Lame. Wait, five bucks short, you say? Well, I've got something special for you. What the hell was that? It's me, the discount ghost of Coupons Pass. Are you scared? What the f- Use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, to get $5 off your next Comic Bento subscription. So wait, if I use the code CGMEG, all in caps, all one word, I get $5 off my next Comic Bento? Yes, use the code CGMEG in all caps, all one word, and get $5 off your next Comic Bento. A whole $5, eh? Now that's scary. The Pixels and Ink podcast is brought to you by Buns, your city network. Buns connects you to the people in your neighborhood to help you find the things you need to fuel your real life. Swap things you already have to get items you need. You can also find jobs that pay the bills, homes for rent, advice, and a place to talk about your city. Buns is available online at buns.com and on your phones via the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. All right, and welcome back from our break. So, Oscar nominees. Yay! Um, Anything in particular that you saw stood out as, like, a snub or that um, was included i mean know, it seems like the same list as we saw in the golden globes and the sag awards yeah i mean it's a little more uh parsed out like it was uh like I, there weren't any real snubs that left out for me i mean the only thing yeah. that like uh i wouldn't call it a snub because it was predictable but i mean like uh, obviously james franco not being nominated for the disaster artist is very connected yeah. with the news that has come out about james franco since he won the Golden. yeah, yeah. that's true so there was that but in terms of the nomination it was actually one of the few years where I didn't really like feel offended about things that were lo- lo- uh, uh, locked out. Like for our purposes as like a uh, uh, CGM and talking about genre movies uh, is actually like one of the greatest years ever for that. I uh, mean, get yeah. out obviously got uh, best actor, screenplay director and best picture, which for a horror movie is insane. Like the, I think it's the exorcist and the silence of the lambs are the only uh, movies within and even silence of the lambs. It's questionable whether you want to call that a horror movie or not, but those are the only times yeah. that a horror movie's previously been nominated in big categories like that. So that's incredibly exciting. Well, and then also, top- The Shape of Water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the other thing was The Shape of Water is like, got uh, 13 nominations, which is like, like yeah. I think the record is 14 total. So that's incredibly exciting. and like such a well-deserved movie and also oh, feels yeah. very much like uh, Guillermo will, has a like very, very strong chance of winning Best Director. At least something. At least something. Yeah, and which he is- hasn't won it. Has he won an Oscar before? No, he should have won yeah. one. He should have won the Best Foreign Film Oscar for Pan's Labyrinth, which did win like, yeah. in technical categories, but he didn't. He lost to The Lives of Others, which is a movie no one has talked about since. So yeah. No one cares yeah. about that movie. Yeah, it was yeah. an okay movie, but... Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah that was incredibly frustrating. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, it feels very much like he could. The only way i could see that changing is i think like greta gerwig and Lady Bird have a big shot um both because they're excellent movies and also because of you know the yeah the time the year in which we just went through and it, it just feels like and and they're you know the oscars are nothing if not a sort of you know political showmanship rally for hollywood think, so i think do you so think that, we'll get kind of a split between because Lady Bird is also up for best uh, picture. Yeah. So do you think maybe they'll split the difference on I that one? It, best picture it, and best director? That would be my guess. They they split yeah. best picture and best director constantly now. That used to be like a very yeah. rare circumstance, but now it's almost every year. So I feel like that's probably what will happen. Um, but yeah. regardless, it's just exciting that Shape of Water is in the running at all. And, like, and what's strange about it is just because – you know, this is a strange year and it's not really this, you know, the Oscars are being analyzed in a different way. But it's amazing to me that Shape of Water is even like considered a front runner, given that like, you know, mm-hmm. I hear people say like, oh, yeah, the Shape of Water makes sense because it's a period movie and whimsical. But I'm like, you realize this is a movie about 
a mute woman uh, falling in love and having sex with a fish man, right? Like that's not <laughs> that's not the sort of thing that normally ends up in these sorts of discussions, but it's just like so beautifully done and resonates so deeply, especially with you know a lot of themes about identity and discrimination and uh it's a really beautiful like cry for empathy and understanding that it, it just it hits a lot of buttons in a lot of special ways that um i love those no shapes <laughs> it's, it's better than you think uh jordan uh, but, but it's it, it's uh yeah it's a wonderful film so that was exciting and then also uh dunkirk uh is also one of the top things which uh, yeah um is that's an, an incredibly that's well done it's an incredibly well done movie and like ultimately kind of an action movie um and again like other than mad max that sort of stuff never makes it in so that was yeah mm. i was really excited and then also um uh paul thomas anderson the guy who did uh there will be blood and magnolia and uh punch drunk love boogie nights his new movie phantom thread also got nominated for best director and best picture which is always mm-hmm. exciting because he's an incredible talent and does not make conventional uh work and uh i highly highly recommend that to people it is um it's probably best decided, described as like a uh gothic love story um and uh it's very twisted but also rather sweet in a weird way and uh I really, uh, yeah, if, um, yeah, the woman falling in love with a fish man is too corny of a love story for you, a la Jordan, I promise the Phantom Thread will will alleviate your concerns. Um, So anyway, yeah, those are all, yeah, it's one of the very few years where, like, aside from The Darkest Hour, which I don't even dislike, it's just kind of mediocre, um, I, like, look at all the... It was okay. I look at all the nominees. Yeah, it was okay. But it's... But, like, that's the thing. Normally, I look at the nominees and I'm like, really? Like, this, this, and this, and this? And not only are the really one... The ones that I'm, like, sniffy about nominated, but will probably win, um, is actually exciting to see a list of movies that I can actually get behind. So I don't know if The Darkest Hour is one of uh, old... uh, Gary Oldman's best films, but, you know... Yeah, uh, he, I mean, for it. yeah, I mean, like he, he deserves an Oscar eventually. Oh yeah, for sure, and he's great in it. It's just like it is particularly compared with everything else is very oh, yeah. uh, conventional. Same with the Post, which was also like very well done, but uh, those are the only ones that feel kind of like your conventional, very safe Oscar movies. Everything else is actually you're not wrong. Quite interesting. You're not wrong at all. So that was awesome. Come on. Can we take a moment to talk about Boss Baby again? <laughs> yeah, Boss oh, Baby yeah. did get nominated for Academy Award too. So just anytime, Best yeah. So anytime you want to look at it and be like, "Oh, hey, the Oscars are pretty good this year. They seem to be taking things seriously." Just remind yourself that Boss Baby is also competing, and that'll I mean, yes. immediately yeah. erase any sort of uh, feelings of optimism that you have towards the Oscars. <laughs> oh yeah, um, it kills it, it, it kills something inside. Just a little yeah, bit. yeah, Every yeah. Time I see I'm glad they did that just to even things out a little bit because they they were getting yeah. too good. They need some horrible there. with the good. Yeah, you know? exactly. You can't have it too good. Exactly, exactly. And and oh, and and Beauty and the Beast is on there as well. <laughs> oh, but costume design that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that on the technical sense. levels, yeah. I got no problem with that. I'm okay. And and yeah, and then and and yeah, more than anything else, even though it won't win, I'm just really excited that something like Get Out even was considered qualifying like that. Yeah, I predicted that. Like I knew as soon as I saw it, that it was both excellent and it was something that was going to resonate and be remembered. I thought it would take a few years. I didn't think by you know, the end of the year, it would be so beloved. And that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. Really, really exciting. And I mean, it's been nominated in like for the same category as best uh, director, best picture, best actor. Um, was actress on here too? No, but uh, in for like the uh, Golden Globes and the SAG Awards, yeah. which is phenomenal that it's still like it's it's the momentum is going in the awards and they want to just keep you know, oh, for um, sure, for sure. I mean, Jordan Peele did get ignored in Best Director for the Golden Globes, but that's quickly yes. rectified in in almost every other award ceremony. So, yeah. yeah, that's been great. All right, and then in terms of and I, since we're talking about how great, uh, the, you know, what a surprising list of nominees were last year, and how wonderful cinema had been last year, we should talk about the horrible piece of garbage that came out this week to remind ourselves that yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for no. every yin there is a yang. Um, it went up this morning, and I'm so excited to hear yeah, you talk about it because. So yeah, Ma- uh, Maze Runner three. So and just to clarify, yeah. uh, Maze Runner three yeah. is not the third chapter of the Divergent series, nor is it a spinoff of Hunger Games or related to the Ender Game series or connected with uh, The Giver. 
Um, they, it's confusing because <laughs> they are all essentially the same. But uh, the Maze Runner, honestly, also the posters look almost identical. Yeah, too. it was. Yeah, it was one. I mean, like you know, it's not uncommon that one movie is very successful. There are a bunch of knockoffs, but man, Hunger yeah. Games spawned a cottage industry of these like moody teen dystopia science fiction futures. And Maze Runner, it's amazing to me that Maze Runner actually made it to the finish line because Maze Runner was always kind of like the worst and like least. You know, like like it seemed like the one that people paid attention to the least. But somehow it just kept making just enough money to slide through. And even after, like, the people that made Divergent, even they admitted after the sequel, you know what? We're not going to finish this. There's no need. No, yeah. no one cares anymore. <laughs> uh, Maze Runner, because it was by Fox, they stuck with it. And they made a third one. And it's here. So. <laughs> is, it, is it the end of the story now? Is that you it? I better believe it. The drama's okay. come to a close. So I'm going to be honest with both of you. I had no idea that there was any other movie beyond this one. I thought The Maze Runner was only one book. No. Who knows? <laughs> no, it is a trilogy. So just like oh, Hunger Games and Divergent and all those, it's they're all trilogies. They're all the same. Oh. They're all the same, and they all start the same way, which it started as like a crazy game in oh, this case involving a maze, where the adults from this corrupt society would force the teens to go through these death trap challenges, and the survivors would blah blah blah. And how it works is that there's the first movie that has this kind of weird, interesting game concept. And then after that, they get rid of the games, and the second two movies are about them, uh, are, are about all the teens gathering together to form a revolutionary or terrorist group, whichever perspective you want to put on it, and taking out the adults. So this one is all about revolution, and it's very dull. Um, the characters are very indistinguishable. Um, there's, there's, yeah, like, I guess this society, there's kind of like a vague zombie-esque apocalypse going on. So the world is either divided up into wastelands with survivors scavenging to survive amongst the zombies or like ivory tower cities. Um, but one of the lead maze runners, best friend was kidnapped to, uh, for medical testing, hoping to find a cure. So all the maze runners got to bust them out. And what they don't realize the lead maze runner actually has the cure himself. So ain't that ironic. <laughs> so, what? yeah. So, Isn't that, yeah, that's the, the ultimate power that's only found within your heart ex- after you've struggled. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. So it's like, it, yeah, it's like embarrassingly like by the numbers for these sorts of things. What mm. probably what's most frustrating about it is like I almost wish it were like so laughably horrible. I could have just giggled away at it. But it's like deeply mediocrely produced. Like the action scenes by virtue of the fact they had enough money have a couple OK moments. The like adult character actors who they hired for credibility like Patricia Clarkson um, mm. are surprisingly like watchable. Um, the problem is, it's just it, it, like none of it registers because it's just like the same old routine uh, happening one more time, only this time with a characters and universe you actually cared about even less than the more popular versions of the story. So, um, yeah, it, it's not great. All right. So, so we, sh- we shouldn't. That's a shame because the first maze runner <laughs> yeah, was really like way? dynamite. No, it wasn't. It's a shame that the trilogy couldn't live up to its own high standards. I found You know what I never understood about the first one, though, was that, you know how, like, at the very, very end, they all decide to go into the maze as, like, a big group with, like, pointy sticks and weapons and stuff to fight the big spider monsters? Not going to lie, I don't remember that at all, but sure. Why didn't they do that from the beginning? It's like, why did they create this society where they had a dedicated group of you know, runners who could, you know, make it in and out of the maze before the nightfall. It's like, why didn't you just all go in together as a big group and beat the shit out of the big spider robots? Guys, just build some, like, weapons of mass destruction. Done. Just build a stick. That's what Mm. they did at the end, and it worked. (laughs) They just got some pointy sticks and some rocks. The whole thing's so stupid. I'm just glad it's over. That was the biggest thing I felt when the movie was over. It was a sense of relief that not only was Maze Runner over, but that for at least the time being, this whole genre's over. And we can all just move on with our lives. Like I, I, but is it really over? Because there are still so many YA books that we could make movies out of. Because you got to sure, target but, that but audience, fortunately, guys. Fortunately, since they stopped making money, they won't keep producing the movies. So we get at least a brief break. Oh Quick break until the next vampire yeah, phase definitely. pops up. Yeah, and then. Well, that'll be yeah. the real. Well, I'm sure Shave of Water yeah. will kick off a, a, a series of sea monster and teenage girl uh, angsty. Oh, we're gonna get a swamp thing, like teenage something, teenage hot swamp, swamp thing, thing. hot God swamp willing. thing. God that swamp thing's gonna have so much abs, so many Shredded. abs. Oh yeah, yeah he's exactly. swimming all day, right? 
He's going to be like mm-hmm. a water he's polo be too. <laughs> we're going to get mainstream <laughs> trauma films. That's what we're going to get. <laughs> oh, the world's a horrible, horrible place. Because we joke, but this is probably <laughs> what's going to happen. Oh, hey, man, God. I was right about the, the uh, Labo pricing. I'm right about mm-hmm. this. Okay. All right. Let's talk about some games. So uh, this week, Microsoft just launched their Sea of Thieves beta. So closed I had, beta, yeah. Closed beta. So I had a chance to sit down and play that again. Now, have you guys tried it at any of the conventions I have, before? Yeah. yeah. Brendan, you, what was your impression at the convention? I think it has potential, but I don't know if they're showing enough of what the game is to make it fun. Like, it might be we're only seeing a very small sliver of what there is to do in this game. But yeah. as of what I've seen, it feels very shallow. Forgive the pun. Ha. Ha. Ugh. Anyway, so the closed beta is pretty much a longer amount of time that you could spend with the same kind of things yeah, that yeah. you saw at the any if you've been to a convention and, and tried out Sea of Thieves. So, um, I mean, it's I I think okay. So essentially, during the beta, you're dropped onto a ship. You uh and immediately into multiplayer. Uh, I if there was a single player aspect for it, I have not seen it. I'm gonna give myself another chance to play through it this weekend. But, um, and uh, so you don't get an opportunity to kind of learn. Mm-hmm. everything before you get started so it's kind of a trial by error and uh you were three other people who are there i was really lucky my very first experience playing the game um before this uh, i did not have a great time because the people i were playing with were very like very um laser sighted in what they wanted mm-hmm. to do whereas the people i jumped in this time they were totally cool they were really happy who they to show me the ropes because they had been playing it since the the moment it started, I didn't get a chance to because of, you know, being at work and stuff. And then, um, like, it, it, so that was a lot better. So you're dropped off onto the ship, you get a map, and you have uh, islands that you can visit and look for treasure. And, or you could go into the hub and experience some of the PvP aspects of the game. And, and there are opportunities to meet other people in the world. But when I played it, and I only played it for, like, I'm going to say maybe close to an hour mark at, at if any if that mm-hmm. um we didn't see anybody on the high seas that were that we could have no, engaged with no. uh other pay, other uh journalists i talked to who had had a chance did engage on some uh ship versus ship fighting but if you've played for example uh assassin's creed black flag uh and you know how the boat mechanics work on that then this is exactly the same it's very slow it's very, very realistic in terms of like, uh, not looks, definitely not looks, but in terms of like mechanics, like mm-hmm. moving the cannon, shooting the cannon to the other ship, hopefully hitting it at some point. Um, however, I can see this being really, really fun if I jumped in with a larger group, of, like a larger group of friends, um, and we were all on the same page as what we were going to do. Other, like if not, if you're in it for like the treasure hunting and the aspects that I've seen, it's going to, I feel like it's going to turn into too much of a fetch quest. The cool thing that happened because I am incompetent when I play games for the very first time, I fell off the ship. I got eaten by a shark and I died. And then I ended up on this ghost ship and the ghost ship was really cool. And I kind of want to die again, just to see if there's more of that world I can explore beyond the ship itself and the little portal that'll bring me back to the game. But, uh, other than that, I, I want to give more time to it and I'd like to see what else is available in this world. And I'd like to try it with like actual and a group of friends that I'm who are already playing with me and things like that to see what possibilities can happen with this because, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I think it's too early to call it. I, I, maybe I'm being a little optimistic here, but, um, I like the idea. I love the concept and I love the free reign that you're given there because you can truly make this game what you want it to be. Um, if you get the right entertaining kind of streamers doing this, this could be really great uh, video and stream material. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. Like it definitely, you know what I'm it, it has that Twitch kind of feel. Yeah. Like you could really, there's so much open. There's so it's such an open concept. Like you really could make the game what you want. Um, I, I, I could see that happening. So I'm gonna I'm not gonna call it yet, but I want to give it a little bit more time. I think there's well, it's got. I'm sure there's a lot to the uh, like to the teamwork element too to it because I think there was what was that what was the name of that other game? Um, 
Ah, jeez. It was... Jeez, tell me, another multiplayer team well, it's, it was open world? It was the same basic concept, but you were on a Zeppelin, and the whole thing was that, like, it was, like, Zeppelin combat. And it's, like, yeah, and it was... Um, I I, I'm, we'll I'm drawing... I, I'm drawing a complete blank on the name, but that's basically Friday. what it was. It was, like, it was like a team of, like, four Zeppelin. or five... Like, oh, I, I have no every idea. person had a designated role on the on the ship. Oh, is this uh, Gundamik? Yes. Okay. All right. So that's what I mean. So it's, there's like there's a certain amount of fun to be had in this, like in not just the fact that it's like you're a pirate and you're on the high seas, mm-hmm. um, high high skies. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, it's like like you're all a functioning uh, unit, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, once you're all working together, sort of seamlessly, you have this really great experience because, like, you're you're making the thing work, right? Yeah, I, you know, I, and and to be honest, like I said, the the time that I played with the group of players that I jumped in, and they were super forgiving because at first I did not play it with the uh, headset and mm-hmm. mic because I didn't realize how much. I mean, I knew going in how much teamwork it would be needed, but I didn't think it was that essential. I thought I could just, you know, follow everyone. They'd be saying things and I can do it, whatever. And I didn't actually have my headset with me at the time. So I had to derogate a thing. It's a very long story for a very short thing saying I didn't use my headset. And they were super awesome about the whole thing. Because um, I feel like the people who are playing it right now, uh, doing this closed beta, are excited about the game. And that's great. That's great. Um, I wonder what that's going to be like uh, when it's open to everyone who's trying it out. Um, I Like I said... In, is it since it's a team based thing? It is, I think, best played with your online friends that you are comfortable playing with and that kind of thing. Not to say that it's not like you can't just jump in. I mean, I did and it was cool, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I'd like it to be good. I do too. I, I think, think that's it has, what it, it is. Has a lot of potential. I it has. I, I love the idea of it. I love that you can they, that like uh, you're essentially equipped with all the things that you need for this beta right at the bat, like the you know bare bones of everything. <laughs> get it because you fight skeletons you're the bare bones of everything right is good nope 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 okay no. moving on uh I, I had a little concertina like court little uh squeeze box accordion and um I, I started playing that and somebody else pulled out their instrument and we had like a immediate like round circle of like a jam session and i thought it was cool i like that kind of great. stuff i love that they give you that opportunity to do that. Yeah, it yeah. was great it was great and so it's I, more like open. I, like I you can just go like be a pirate and just like sail the seas. Like you don't have to. It's not just like strictly combat. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. it, there is. I I wanted. Are there to like be really towns good. you can like there... pillage and stuff? Yeah, I, uh, there wasn't any in the beta as far I as I, I knew. It's hard to judge. There's lots of there's like the lots islands, of islands. Lots of islands. There's lots of islands, and it's a big world that they had open for the beta. So it's really hard to see what exactly was. Um, Mm-hmm. Like what you could go do, I like, and I, I think I would need definitely more time than that, uh, close to an hour yeah. that I spent with it to kind of do this stuff. So it just so, sounds like a, a because like a more free, uh, like form Sid Meier's then sandbox, yeah. yeah. And I like that. I, I, I really want this to be good, and I think the people that are excited about it, uh, uh are. G- good for that mm-hmm. so who knows yeah. maybe we might see a pirate renaissance we had a lot of pirate related like content when oh. uh, pirates of the caribbean was a big thing you know what there um i just found out about this game that's coming out uh it's um a whaling one the way it's a whaling game yes. and it's oh i'm trying to figure out where it is uh, uh here, whalers, I, I whales it, but... are endangered uh don't perpetuate uh <laughs> hunting whales this lisa game... Yeah, but it's seventeen hundreds or the sixteen hundreds. Yeah. Like recent matter. whaling, not recent doesn't whaling, matter. not. It but anyway, it puts the idea in people's heads that, really great... that killing whales is okay. Okay, keep talking <laughs> while I look for this. Thing. It's just—it's just not a good thing um, to do. I mean, you know, don't kill whales. The end. <laughs> I think we, we all, Phil. I think I mean uh, Jordan. Oh, I think we all agree. No one killing whales. Yes, we don't kill Unless whales. They're but anyway, I the mean, game is called. Well, they can be, but that's dolphins, not so much whales. Oh, well, because can be too. I don't. They're a type of dolphin. That's why. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, the game is called Nantucket, and uh, it's a maritime steam game where it's you're set in the early 19th century and of the golden age of American whaling. <laughs> but that's it's so weird. The fact that it's got this really like neat, uh, 
very piratey aesthetic because mm. it's really cool that they're exploring this because there's more than just pirates. Like, I mean, we could talk about the Queen's Privateers and we could talk about like the uh, fish, fishing, maritime fishermen of the early 19th century and still have like a great like game. And so I'd like I'd like to see a pirate re- renaissance yeah. or like a uh, um, early 19th century to or six, uh, sorry, 18th to 19th century renaissance yeah. of like maritime games. I'd be for that. So anyway. Yeah, well, that's all I gotta say about this game. Ooh, yeah. Sounds good. Anybody have anything else? No, no, no. no, no yeah, it's been. Uh, well, it's I been think a bit maybe, of a dry... maybe tonight I'll be playing some Monster Hunter, but you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's Monster Hunter yeah. tonight, and then Stardew Valley. I've been playing a lot. I've been getting Valley back into Stardew Valley. Valley. I've been just, been, I've really just been, just been uh, working on Enter the Gungeon, and I was, I was like looking into. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in uh, Wander Song. Mm. It yeah, looks so looks cute. Good. You just sort of walk around singing, and that—I <laughs> don't know why that really makes me smile. Well, we'll have to try to find this thing. I know and, it's, uh, it's, it's slated it for a Switch release. It's already out on Steam, but like it's slated for a Switch release. And mm-hmm. this just again it seems like the kind of game to me that would be perfect on the Switch. So yeah. I'm yeah. excited for yeah. that. Well, we'll have to wait for you when. Well, wait till we get a review out of you for that one. Um. I think that's just about it. We'll wrap it up from here. Thanks for listening, everyone. And if you like what you heard or want to hear more about the things that we've talked about, visit us at cgmegaonline.com. You can like and subscribe to our podcast on Buttons Podcast Network or Apple iTunes or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can follow us at on uh, Facebook at CG Magazine. You can follow us on Instagram at CG Mag Online. And you can follow us on Twitter at CG Mag Online. Guys, you want to plug your Twitters? B-Fry, what's yours? B-Fry26. All right. And Jordan? It's at NinjaJordan underscore. And Phil. I'm at that Phil Brown. And I'm at Lisa Awesome with no E's. And you can catch past episodes of Pixels and Ink on YouTube, so subscribe to our channel for that and some other cool videos. Thanks again to Buns Podcast Network and Comic Bento for sponsoring our podcast. And from everyone here at CG Magazine, have a great weekend. <laughs> <laughs>